Well, good morning, First Baptist New Orleans. If you will take your copy of God's Word and join me in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. We'll actually begin reading at the end of verse of end of chapter 52. First, I want to say it's always a joy to be back with you. Um, I remember <clears throat> the time of transition quite fondly. I remember it rather oddly. In fact, I had a memory pop up this week on Facebook. You know, sometimes Facebook's good for those kinds of things. And I think it was like three years ago this Sunday that I was preparing to preach. And it was one of those calls that uh, where we as a, as a church had to make the decision to disperse yet still gather online. It was one of our earliest times in doing that. And I just went back and just was struck by the moment. Uh, first off, I ask that you continue to pray for Pastor Chad. We do pray that, um, that he has a, a week of, of relaxation. He is constantly fighting a spiritual battle, being a pastor of a church. I understand the struggle that he's in the midst of. So we need to pray for him that this week he can, he can just withdraw and have a sweet time with his family. So I ask you to be praying for Pastor Chad. It's always a joy. I appreciate his invitation here. Thank you to Pastor Nate for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you for the praise team. We've been asking over the past few weeks one simple question. Why the cross? Why the cross? Why was the cross necessary? Why was the cross essential? Why did it have to happen? Why did it have to happen that way? What's the deal with the cross? A couple of the answers that we've seen, I, I've been traveling some, so I have to confess, I haven't been here. It's kind of my nature of my role. Um, uh, a lot of times I'm not here because I'm doing other interims like I did when I was here a few years back. And, and so I'm constantly traveling. But this week, I, when Pastor Chad asked me to preach, I went back and began to watch some of the sermons that I'd missed and, and was just struck by the answers that we've been seeing to the question, why the cross? I'm not going to rehash them all, just some that really struck me. Why the cross? Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We know that as, as human beings, we are still weak in the flesh. The wages of our sin is death. Every one of us in this room is a sinner. And Jesus Christ had to die on the cross because in our trespasses and sins, we were dead. We saw that, why the cross? Because ultimately the cross is our only hope. It's the only hope that we've got. Why the cross? Why is it so important? Why did it have to happen that way? It's because in the cross is where we find our only hope in Jesus Christ. Why the cross? Because we were guilty of a debt that we could not pay. Every one of us is guilty. Every one of us has to pay a debt. But this is one that we could not pay. And there was only one who could, and Jesus Christ came and was willingly nailed to a cross so that your debt of sin and mine could be paid. This morning we come to the book of Isaiah, and let me just be honest with you, this is probably one of the more intriguing and um, strangest answers to the question of why the cross why the cross? So that the Father would be pleased. Why 
the cross so that God the Father would be pleased. We come to the book of Isaiah. We don't have time to rehash the whole book this morning. I wish we did. As you walk through the book of Isaiah, there are times when you're absolutely stunned by the wrath of God. Just begin in Isaiah chapter 1. When the children of Israel come and begin to say that they're going to, going to pray and continue to seek God's face. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks to them. And ultimately, he says, just stop praying. Read it. Read Isaiah 1. Stop praying. Don't just stop going through the motions. Stop the sacrifices. Stop wasting your time because I know your heart, God says. You can't fool me speaks loudly. You read through the book of Isaiah, and not just chapter 1, just keep reading. You see the stunning wrath of God because of sin. But then you keep reading, and, and, and there's times when you're, not only are you stunned by the wrath of God, but you're silenced by the grace and the love and the mercy of God. You just keep reading through the book, and and you come to these moments where there seems to be a, a contradiction. There seems to be a dichotomy, right? That, that all throughout the book of Isaiah, there's the wrath of God and the love of God. There's the justice of God and the mercy of God. How do you explain it? It seems to be that contradiction. But when you come to the book of Isaiah, you see where these two supposedly opposing issues come together and live in perfect harmony. The wrath of God and the love of God. The, the justice of God and the mercy of God. You bring them together here in Isaiah, and you see a compelling picture. It's being painted so that you and I can properly answer the question, why the cross? Spurgeon, one of my heroes of the faith, Charles Spurgeon, wrote of this chapter, Isaiah 53. Listen to what he said. It's the Bible in miniature and the gospel in essence. You could basically wrap up the entire Bible in Isaiah, the end of 52 and end of 53. Not only is it basically the, the entire message of the Bible, but it ultimately, it delivers the truth of the gospel. Back in the book of Isaiah, which I mind you, was, was written 700 years before it actually occurred. It's incredible to think about what's happening here in Isaiah 53. Ultimately, we're asked this question, how can God be true and just while at the same time declaring sinners to be innocent? You got an answer for that? How can God be just and absolutely hate sin, which he must, because of his very nature. How can God be just and at the same time declare sinners like you and me to be innocent? We see the answer clearly in Isaiah 53 in the form of a servant. I'm going to ask if you will stand in honor of reading God's word. We'll begin reading in Isaiah the end of 52, just a few verses, and we'll make our way into 53. 
Isaiah 52 verse 13 says this, See, my servant will be successful. He will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man and his form did not resemble a human being. So he will sprinkle the many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before them, before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all, church. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with the rich man and his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Verse 10. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for us, the rebels. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we dig into your word this morning that you would remind us of your great hatred for sin to the point that you were willing to die on the cross for it, though innocent. Lord, help us to be reminded of your great hatred and detest towards sin. Yet, Lord, at the same time, help us to stand in awe of the great servant who came to take our place. May we be moved by your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, speak to us this morning. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I want us to consider this morning the question, why the cross? As we do, we'll see the answer unfold as we consider ultimately the servant 
that Isaiah paints the clear picture of here. Why the cross? First off, what we see in this passage as we consider the question, we see the picture painted by the prophet Isaiah. First off, let me say there's going to be just five truths here. I know that sounds like a lot. We'll move through them quickly. I do that simply because most scholars break this up. It's a poem. Some people even call it the, the servant psalm or the servant poem. You begin in the end of 52 and it goes through 53 and it's it's a poem that's describing this suffering servant that was sent by God in your place and mine. But really, you just have to see this picture unfold as it's portrayed here in the Scripture. First truth is this, as we consider this servant, he is a startling servant. He is a startling servant. I'm not going to read the passage again, but in the first three verses, we see that clearly what Isaiah is telling us is that his appearance, the appearance of this servant was quite startling, Right? Whenever you get to the actual picture of the cross, we see Jesus Christ who was beaten, who was struck in the face, whose beard was plucked out, who had a crown of thorns placed on his head, who was beaten in the back with a cat of nine tails, having the flesh ripped from his body. We see this mental picture of of Christ on the cross, and you absolutely, absolutely come to Isaiah, the end of 52, and, and you understand why the prophet Isaiah, as he's, as he's thinking about and projecting the picture of who the suffering servant would be, looking at Christ, absolutely, his appearance is startling. He's beaten by men and nailed to a cross, and yet, at the same time, being fully God and fully man, Nailed to a cross, we see that he is a divine being who's God in the flesh who will absolutely astound the nations. At the same time that Jesus Christ is nailed to the cross, Isaiah is speaking to him, speaking of the one who will one of these days, actually did come down, but one of these days he'll come again and he will absolutely astound the nations where even kings will shut their mouths. He's astounding to think about who he is and what he looks like. Isaiah goes on to say that he will sprinkle many nations, a reference to the sacrificial blood that covers the sins of God's people, even the Passover lamb. Very early on in this passage, Isaiah begins to paint this picture that Jesus Christ is a lamb who's being led to the slaughter the ultimate Passover lamb who would die in the place for you and me and his blood would be sprinkled over the nation so that, so that many people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation might be able to come before his throne one day and give him all praise, glory, and honor due his name. He's a suffering servant nailed to a cross while at the same time he is a returning king who will reign forever and ever. It's a startling picture. Let me say it this way. His image is repulsive, while at the same time, he's a savior who redeems. He's repulsive, and at the same time, he's redeeming. What a startling picture picture of this suffering servant. There's a second truth. You move on in the passage, we'll move quickly. Not only is he a startling servant, but he is a surprising servant. 
He's a surprising servant. We will read some of these verses. Pick up in 53 verse 1. It says, who has believed what we have heard? Paul mentions this text. The reason why I'm thinking we need to read it is because Paul actually mentions this text in Romans 10, 16 and 17. That's important because we'll come back to Romans 10 in just a little bit. Paul mentions this text. He says this in Romans 10, 16 through 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what, has, what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The question that's posed here by the prophet Isaiah points to the fact that the message of the servant, it, it contains some astonishing factors that would be hard for anyone to believe. When we think about the question, why the cross, and we think about why God in the flesh had to come, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to comprehend. It's one of those moments in history that when people look at it, they still scratch their heads and say, what in the world was going on in that moment? Sometimes God reveals things that are that are hard for people to accept. Sometimes God unwraps his message in such a way that you and I are dumbfounded. Yet we see throughout scripture that belief and trust are still at the heart of a relationship with God the Father. It's an important truth. Sometimes God works in ways that are quite surprising, this surprising servant. You go on here in, the, in, this, in this pericope, these few verses here. He was a surprising servant because of his origin, origin and appearance. Look at verse 2. He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. What was this root out of dry ground? Again, if we had time, we could walk through all of Isaiah. But in Isaiah 11, verse 1, Isaiah says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of his roots. You go to the, to the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, we learn that Jesus actually did come from the seed of Jesse, the father of David. Now, hold on a second. Let me, don't, don't rush past this truth. This is quite surprising. If you go back and see how God went about calling David to be king. He was the last of the sons of Jesse who should have been king. There was no reason for God to go to Jesse in the first place. There, there's absolutely no reason why David should ultimately be the seed from whom Jesus Christ comes. Even the children of Israel knew that this was quite surprising. God... And his sovereignty moves in ways that sometimes just doesn't quite make sense to us. This surprising servant was despised and not esteemed. You go to verse 3, he was despised and rejected by man, by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. John's gospel tells us in John 1 verse 11, he came into his own and his own received him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. The children of Israel, who were waiting on the promised Messiah, 
who had a picture in mind of what this Messiah would look like. Though they had this chapter, though they had Isaiah, though they had read Isaiah 53 many times before, though it was clearly in God's word, they had a picture of what they expected their Messiah to look like. They just knew that one of these days he would come riding on his horse into into Jerusalem and that he would restore the kingdom to Judah, to Israel, and that all would be made right. But then a little impoverished boy born of a virgin in a feeding trough in the little town of Bethlehem comes into the world. And they miss him. Why? Because he's quite surprising. Jesus doesn't look like what the world desires. Jesus doesn't look like what the world expects. Jesus doesn't speak like the world likes to hear. Jesus didn't act and live the way the systems of our world said was, says was right. He's absolutely, astonishingly, astonishingly quite surprising. And the world still miscalculates the importance of Jesus. He's surprising. We see a third, through, third truth in this passage. Not only is he a surprising servant, he is a stricken servant. He is a stricken servant. You pick up in verse 4, Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. This is cited about Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. I tell you all this simply just to say, look, this passage, this text is cited seven different times throughout the New Testament in reference to Christ. That's how we know it's a picture of Jesus. You can go back and read this later, but in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, it's cited of Jesus, not about his death, though. It's actually about his life and, and the way he the way he worked miracles to ultimately reveal the power of, of, of his name. Jesus carried the sorrows of people in his life by healing them of disease. And then he went on, right, to, to bear the sorrows, the sins, and the weight of the whole world upon the cross. Yet people misunderstood. Even, even when Jesus was performing miracles, they didn't quite get it. Even, even his disciples early on, they they saw Jesus do incredible things, and, and yet they still missed the importance of who he is. They misunderstood and miscalculated. And ultimately revealed himself as the one who was coming to be stricken. He suffered, and at the same time we benefited. Look at verse 5. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Do you you know why Jesus went through such terrible abuse and death? Why did he do it? He suffered for our sins. Church, come in here real close. Let's not rush past this. Why the cross? We've already answered the question. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Why the cross? Everybody, look at me for a second. 
because of you. Why the cross? Because of you and me. Because of us. We're the ones who are to blame. We're the ones who should have hung on the cross. We're the ones who still deserve to be separated from God. We're the ones who still struggle, who still stumble, who still fail. We're the ones who still sin. Call it what you want. Why the cross? It's because of you. Because of me. He paid the price for our sin. He suffered. And we benefited. It doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't get that. He was a stricken servant. We sinned and he bore our penalty. Pick up in verse 6. Continue with the same thing. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. When I, think, when I read this passage, I, I think of Matthew chapter 9. You can write that down and read it later. Matthew 9, 35 through 36. Listen to what it says. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. You go back to what we said earlier in Matthew chapter 8, a reference to Christ coming and performing miracles. Pick up in verse 36 of Matthew 9, and here's what it says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus came to be our shepherd and guide us back into the fold. How? By the Father, punishing him for the sin, the iniquity of us all. Hear me, church. He is a stricken servant. Though many still misunderstand. He's a submissive servant. Now we need to move quickly. He's a submissive servant. Pick up in verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. When we read this passage, it takes us to the picture of of the trial and soon crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was standing before the high priest, he remained silent. When he had a moment to speak to the situation, he kept his mouth shut. Why? Because he knew what the will of the Father was. He knew that God had sent him to the earth for this very purpose to die for your sins and mine. <clears throat> he allowed himself to be led like a sheep to the slaughter <clears throat> because it was the will of God. He died for the sins of others. Pick up in verse 8. He was taken away because of our oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. You move to the next chapter in Matthew. Matthew, cha Matthew chapter 27 you see that both Jesus and Barabbas were in prison, but the people wanted Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus. After Barabbas was released, Jesus was, as the scriptures say, 
taken from prison ultimately to be scourged and crucified. Through his crucifixion, he died and ultimately was cut off from the land of the living as Isaiah 53 verse 8 tells us. The innocent one was buried in verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Does anybody know, anybody know who Jesus was crucified with? Remember the, the actual picture of the cross? It was nailed between two thieves. Does anybody know who allowed Jesus to be buried in his tomb that he had recently carved a new tomb that had not been used. Anybody know who allowed him to be buried in the tomb? Joseph of Arimathea, who, by the way, happened to be a rich man. Just, did I tell you that Isaiah 53 was written about 700 years before the coming of Christ? Explain that, church. How, how, how do you get to because we're seeing the answer to the question, why the cross? Why the cross in the first place? Because he was a submissive servant, submissive to the plan that the Father had already set in place to die for our sins. In fact, that leads us to the last truth of this passage, that he is a satisfying servant. He is a satisfying servant. Pick up in verse 10. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. Why the cross? Why the cross? So that the Father would be pleased. I hope in this moment you are shocked. Out of all the answers to the question why the cross we've looked at, I hope to you this is the most shocking of answers. Why the cross? So that the Father would be pleased. How? What, what, what is going on here? John chapter 17, verses 1 through 2, in the high priestly prayer of Jesus in the garden, soon before he would go to his crucifixion, when Jesus had spoken these words, he, lift, um, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, listen to what he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all who have given all that you have given him. You see, God was pleased. Why the cross? Because God was pleased by the way things were unfolding. Yes, even the death of his son. God was pleased in the way that things were unfolding, even in the death of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus' death would bring him glory. Why the cross? Because it is in the cross of Jesus Christ that God is most glorified. Why the cross? Because it is in the cross of Jesus Christ that God is glorified. Because it's the only way that you and I can be brought back into a relationship with him. 
And we were created for that very purpose. To walk with him, to know him, to love him, to glorify him, to exalt him, to give him our lives. That's why God created us. So that we could know him and draw near to him. And then sin entered in and messed it all up. But it didn't catch God by surprise. From the foundation of the world, God set this plan in motion so that ultimately he would be absolutely glorified in and through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death was not an accident. He was God's sacrifice for the sins of the world. Pick up in verse 11. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many. And he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion. And he will receive the mightiest spoil because he willingly submitted to death. Did the cross of Christ catch God by surprise? <laughs> no. Because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. What do we see in Isaiah 53? Why the cross? Church, I need you to focus for a few more minutes. Here it is. Why the cross? In the cross, we see the wrath of God. Have I told you? God hates sin. It's his very nature. It have nothing to do with sin. He despises it. He detests it. He has a desire to destroy it. The power of sin is broken. One of these days, even the presence of sin will be. God hates it. In the cross of Jesus Christ, we see the wrath of God towards sin. He hates it. Yet at the same time, we see the love of God towards sinners. You and me. We look at the actual picture of the crucifixion of Christ and we could point fingers at Ananias. We could point fingers at all, all, the, all the different people who played in, in the picture and the actual theme and the, and the story as it unfolded in the New Testament. But let's, let's not blame them. Because if it hadn't been them, it'd be me and you. We'd have been holding the hammer, driving the nails. God hates sin. Yet at the same time, he loves the sinner. In the cross of Jesus Christ, we see the justice of God and the mercy of God. Because, because the price of sin is death, it had to be paid. And there was only one who could pay it for all. His name is Jesus. Why the cross of Jesus Christ? Because it's in the cross that we see the justice of God and at the same time, the mercy of God. And again, we see 
the wrath of God, the justice of God coming together with the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. And you put them together in Isaiah 53 and we see that indeed the father was pleased to crush Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. He was pleased to do it. Why? Because it was in the sacrifice of Christ that Jesus found pleasure. Because it was the only way that you and I could be brought back into a relationship with him. Why the cross? So that God the Father would be pleased. How could something like that be so pleasing? Because it was the only way that you and I could be restored. He was willing to substitute his son on the cross for you. And me. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. Lord of mercy, I still mess up. I'm still a knucklehead who can do some stupid things. Why me? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why me? Jesus Christ is the startling servant, the surprising servant, the stricken servant, the submissive servant, and the satisfying servant. Have you ever trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, say, preacher, you just don't know how bad I am. That <clears throat> might be true. You don't know how bad I've been. Preacher, I, I don't deserve it. You're right. You're exactly right. I don't either. Preacher, you, <clears throat> you don't know what all I've done. True, God does. <laughs> While you were still a sinner, the Bible tells us in Romans, Christ died for you. If you're here this morning and you never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, stop playing a game. <laughs> Today's the day. Today is the day. It's not too late unless you leave here and you don't make it right. Meet the creator because of an accidental death, whatever it is. Then it could be too late. But right now, in this moment, in this place, in this time, here, today, hear this truth. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Don't leave here today without making that right. I'll be here at the front in just a moment, and 
you want to, and the pastors will be down with me. If, if, if you want to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, do it today. For the rest of us, don't forget. The answer to the question, why the, why the cross? Is you. It points to God. But why the cross? Because you sinned. Why the cross? So that God could be most glorified. How? Because of you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. If you're here this morning and you've already prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you've already, you've already made that commitment. Hear me, how closely are you walking with him? How well do you know him? How well are you living for him? What have, what have, what have you done for Jesus lately? I remind you, he did a whole lot for you. Why the cross? So the Father might be most glorified. So the Father might be pleased. You and I can be a part of that. But walking closer to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. Even, Lord, at times when we don't truly love ourselves the way we should. Lord, I... I thank you for the power of your word. Lord, we've considered a lot of questions over the past few weeks, the same question with many answers. Why the cross? Lord, we know that we're sinners who fall short. We know that we deserve eternal damnation. We know that we deserve to be separated from you. We know that it's our sins that nailed you to the cross. We know that in the cross of Christ, we find our only hope. But Lord, we also see this morning why the cross is so that God the Father might be pleased. Lord, that sounds shocking. That sounds odd. That sounds so strange. But Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, that today would be the day they repent of their sins and place their faith in Christ. I pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit would fall upon them. Lord, they would be reminded of Romans 10 that tells us very clearly that, that we can receive salvation if we simply call upon the name of Jesus Christ and trust Him as Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who's never done that or just still has questions, that today would be the day they surrender to you. Lord, for the rest of us, for your people, Lord, I pray that we would never, never, never grow tired of hearing the compelling truth of the gospel. That, Lord, you love us in spite of who we were are and still act at times. Lord, you are a God who desires to walk with us and know us deeply and intimately. Lord, you are 
are most satisfied and well-pleased when we delight ourselves in you and walk with you and, and know you more. So Lord, I pray that you would remind us, your people, that it is in the cross of Christ that you are well-pleased so that penalty of sin was paid for, that restoration was brought back into a relationship with us. Lord, help us to always remember that and help us to live in light of it. Help us to be strong, bold witnesses to a world around us. They might hear the truth of the gospel, see it lived out in our lives, but yes, still spoken from our mouths. Lord, do a work in us. Thank you for FBNO. I thank you for what it means to me and my family. I pray that we would be a light. We would be a beacon to this truth. Why the cross? So that the Father would be pleased. Help us to live it out every day of our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I'm asking if you will stand to your feet. I'm going to ask the pastors to come down here, join me in the front. If you have any, any questions, we're here. If you want to know how you can trust in Jesus Christ, how you can follow the Lord in believer's baptism, maybe you just want to come and kneel here at this altar. I don't know how the Lord is leading, but I do know this. He's always moving. The question is, how will we respond? If you're here this morning, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, come. We'd love to tell you how you can do that.